coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast. And uh, I had said that I don't feel good so so often that when I actually didn't feel good, my family didn't believe me. The Sark Fighter podcast talks with a woman whose sarcoidosis is about as bad as it can be. And then I got sarcoid, and I just kind of slowly had to stop doing. Like I pulled out of the police department, pulled out of the the ret search and rescue. I- Brandy Cleaver shares the story of how sarcoidosis took her from a member of the rescue squad to the person who now needs rescue. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 44 of the Sark Fighter podcast, brought to you in part by a grant from A-Tire Pharma. I'm John Carlin, host of the Sark Fighter podcast and a fellow Sark Fighter. The official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. And you can hear Mark's story. He's also a Sark Fighter. And it's the story behind the lyrics way back in episode 12. And occasionally I will play the entire song for you at the end of an episode. I did that at the end of episode 43, so maybe you want to go back and take a listen to the entire song, Zombie. And if you didn't listen to that episode, you probably want to check that out as well. Uh, In the meantime, this is uh, the Sark Fighter podcast. I call it that because I'm fighting Sark, as I mentioned. I've got neurosarcoidosis. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure that you are fighting sarcoidosis in one way or another. Either you're a fellow patient, you're a caregiver, you're somewhere in the medical community, maybe working on a cure, um, or you're, you're, you are involved in research or something having to do with sarcoidosis. I, I don't get many random listeners who... Uh, contact me and say, oh yeah, I thought I would, I just wanted to learn about sarcoidosis today. And if, if that's you, congratulations. I'm glad you're here and welcome. But I know that most people who listen to this are, are very much in this little sarcoidosis bubble with me. It's a place we all gather. And, but of course, you've heard me say this in every single podcast, but people will contact me and they'll say, John, I felt like I was the only one. I don't know anybody else who has sarcoidosis. I felt like I was all alone. And uh, I just really appreciate the fact that, that you're talking to people and that people are sharing their stories or you're talking with researchers and they're giving us a reason for hope or now COVID is here and, and we're talking to people who can, who can definitively tell us what's going on um, with these medications we take and we all have these autoimmune issues and now we've got to take these vaccines. And, and so, you know, we're looking at all of those different things here on the podcast and, and I've been so fortunate the very top experts in the field have made themselves available. And, and so, um, we're, we're working on, on all of this together and, and it's all right there in the back episodes of the Sark Fighter podcast. And there's links to those, I mentioned COVID, links to all of that in the show notes. Um, or you can just, just go to my webpage and you can see all the back episodes. And uh, as I speak to you today, uh, I have to tell you that my life is always better. I'm a dog person. My trusty boxer, Dougal, who was a rescue, is curled up on the chair in my office. My cavalier, King Charles Spaniel, who is 
we think 14 years old. I've lost track. Poor Boone, but he's been walking back and forth, and and he's been lying down at my feet. And then uh, I've got another little rescue dog, a little terrier mix, Pippa, who comes and goes and likes to spend a lot of time hiding in my closet. But I digress. Uh, I just want to let you know that life is always better with my dogs, and I'm looking over at Dougal, who is fast asleep on the chair right in front of me. Okay, now you've got the stage. It's all set. Coming up today, Brandy Cleaver will be joining me all the way from North Dakota. She lives in a rural area, and she actually, and you'll hear her talk about this, had to raise money to do fundraisers for the travel expenses to get the care that she needed. And because her case is so severe, she's going to talk about how hard it was to convince people that something was wrong, and I mean really wrong. And and even now, you'll hear her talk in plain terms about how her case of sarcoidosis is terminal. They don't really have it under control. They can't get it under control, and it's, it's invading all the different parts of her body. She's got it in her brain. She's taken uh, measures to minimize the impact there. And, and and yet, when you listen to her, I don't hear a person who's mired in negativity. She has a positive outlook on life and a determination to fight sarcoidosis and see her son grow and do all the things that we hope for, see him graduate, get married, maybe have children, grandkids um, for her. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately in terms of my own life, Um for a couple of reasons. First of all, I just spent Labor Day weekend at Smith Mountain Lake here in Virginia with all three of my sons and my daughters-in-law and my five grandkids, all of whom are three and under. And then my daughter-in-law, Alice, and son, Ben, are expecting our sixth grandchild next month in October of 2021. And I have to tell you that with all those toddlers running around this house, it was it was absolute mayhem at times. You know, nobody was being bad. I don't want to say that. They were just being kids, and they were opening and closing doors. They wanted to get into all the cabinets. They were opening the doors that go out onto the patio, the screen doors. And for a child, that's fun, just opening, closing, opening, closing. And then you tell them, don't go on the patio. And then they smile and look at you and giggle. And what do they want to do most? They want to go out on the patio which isn't a problem, except uh, from the patio, there are these steep steps that go downstairs, and then they go to the lake, and you don't want small children around the lake, so your heart is in your stomach the whole time, because you don't want anything to go, you know, seriously wrong, right? So you got to contain these kids, and so we wound up putting rocking chairs uh, in, which were just on the patio, put the rocking chairs on their side to create a makeshift gate, so the kids can't go down the stairs, fall and hurt themselves and all the things that you worry about with small children because you've got to do your your job as parents grandparents and you know and then the next thing you know papa papa i want a drink or papa papa can i you know can i have a snack i want a snack and you know i want to go see nana where's nana and (laughs) you know it's just one after the other after the other um and it's a lot I mean, it's a lot, especially when there's five of them. And I got to admit, there were a couple of times when I started to think, well, this is just too much, just for an instant. And then I thought, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what it's all about. I mean, all of us were there together, laughing, enjoying the lake 
taking the two older grands who are two and three out on our boat for, you know, take them to the marina for ice cream and seeing how happy they are. You know, Papa, I want ice cream. No, I want that. No, I want candy instead of ice cream. And that's, you know, those those are the memories. Um, so, you know, I just had to tell myself to sit back, watch it all, think about how thankful I was just to be there and to take it all in, to, to do little things like feeding the ducks with my oldest grandchild, Luke, off the end of the dock and seeing how happy he was to be doing it. And, and every time he called me Papa, it just melts my heart. It just, it just melted my heart. And, it, you know, it still does. And I, you've heard me say this before with sarcoidosis, and you've heard people come on the show and talk about that, that the journey is the destination, right? You know, we're all, we're all headed from birth to the grave, and it's what we do along the way and learning to enjoy it right now, living in that moment. And that's, that's just, I, just, I had to give myself that advice. I share that with people. You just have to sit back and say, right now I'm sitting here watching all these kids opening and closing doors and worrying about them. Um, but doing that and being able to participate with whatever health you have to, to be there and to take it all in. And so when you listen to Brandy today, in many ways, you will be hearing that same message. So Brandy Cleaver, who lives outside Grand Forks, North Dakota, will be sharing her story next on the Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie Just feeding at stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter podcast. And joining me now is Brandy Cleaver, all the way from North Dakota, uh, which is a first on the podcast. And Brandy, uh, welcome. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so how's the, let's see, it's September 2nd as we're recording this. How's the weather in North Dakota today? It's a little bit chilly and rainy, but for the most part, it's pretty good. It's actually bearable now. Okay. No, no hundred degree temperatures and no blizzards either. Those are the two things I associate with North Dakota. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It either goes from hundred degrees to negative 70. Yeah. So great. nothing in between. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you are here because uh, you are a fellow Sark fighter and uh, you are actually a member of the Speakers Bureau. So people may have an opportunity to hear you speak uh, at functions related to the uh, to FSR, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. And I'll get into that in just a little bit. But you have something called systemic sarcoidosis, um, which is not a good diagnosis. Tell everybody what that is. Yes. So that basically means that I have sarcoid um, in multiple organs um, and multiple different symptoms. 
And um, so uh, some of mine include my brain, my heart, my, my kidneys, lymph nodes, um, and my pancreas, which is super rare. Um, so uh, they call it systemic sarcoidosis because it, it affects me systemically, which is multiple, multiple symptoms. So, and you live in a rural area. Uh, I have so many questions. Um, you live in a rural area. How did you figure out what was going on with your body? So 10 years before I was diagnosed, my mom was diagnosed with pulmonary sarcoidosis and she got the diagnosis through lung biopsy. So for years I had been sick and I kept bringing up sarcoidosis to my doctors um, in Grand Forks and they kept saying, it's not genetic. You, you probably don't have it just because your mom has it. Doesn't mean that you have it. Well, fast forward now 10 years. Um, and then I ended up in the hospital, um, with a diagnosis of multiple myeloma thinking I was dying, of course. Um, but I had all the classic, you know, uh, sunken in eyes, extreme weight loss, fatigue, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, all the things that sarcoidosis patients tend to get. And um, so they took a biopsy of my spleen. And sure enough, a few months later, it came back as sarcoidosis. So you found it in your spleen first, but that yep. probably in your spleen is not what was causing all those symptoms, or was it? Um, well, it contributed because it, it was taking all of the good stuff out of my blood and holding it in the spleen. So my spleen um, your spleen is supposed to be the size of a golf ball. Mine was the size of a football. Whoa. So it was, yeah, it was pretty large. So we had to remove it. Um, but, you know, your spleen is part of your, your lymphatic system. And so um, it just basically moved from my spleen to my lymph nodes. And once it's in your lymph nodes, you know, that can go anywhere in your body. So that's, that's basically why I'm where I'm at now. Wow. So how did, how did they, oh, you said it was the, uh, they did a biopsy. So where, where were you then? Were you in a, in a hospital in North Dakota? Yep. In Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is about 30 miles away. Okay. How big is Grand Forks? Grand Forks has about 70,000 people probably. Okay. All right. Cause I've got people in New Jersey who are in a very populated area who have been on the podcast and they're, they're having a hard time getting diagnosed too. So um, in much yeah. bigger metropolitan areas. Um, okay. So now you've got it throughout your body. Yes. And what are your, what are your symptoms? What is your day like? Um, mostly I have a lot of joint pain. I have some abdominal pain and then um, the fatigue is probably the worst. Um, I'm super tired most of the time. Uh, neurologically, because my brain, um, I had hydrocephalus before they diagnosed me with the neurosarc. And so my brain herniated um, before they put the shunt in to drain the fluid. And uh, so I have some neurological and cognitive deficits from that. Um, and then I think uh, right now, I'd say my biggest hurdle is probably the depression associated with you know, my life completely changed two years ago. I was a medic and an EMS educator and an EMS manager. And now fast forward to now, I, I'm disabled. I can't hold a job. I can't 
really function outside of my house. I'm in a wheelchair, you know, so it was a big life change. Are you, are you always, are you in a wheelchair right now? Are you always in a wheelchair? I'm not always in the wheelchair. I use a wheelchair around my house. Um, Like if I'm doing dishes or cooking in the kitchen, anything that would require me to stand up for a long period of time, I have the wheelchair because I can't, I can't stand for too long. So let's go back to the brain situation. What, what happened? You had hydrocephalus. What happened there? And, and how does sarcoidosis continue to impact your brain? So I um, started having really bad headaches. And then I noticed um, black spots in my vision where I couldn't see. So I went into uh, an eye doctor and she diagnosed me with something called papilledema, which is the vessels in your eyes are hemorrhaging from the pressure in your brain. So um, the black spots I was seeing uh, were spots of blood. So then I went to the ER where they diagnosed me with a pseudo tumor um, and basically said that I'm fat and I need to take a diuretic and they sent me home. And then within, yeah, within 24 hours. Now at this point, I've been on prednisone for three years. Um, so within 24 hours, I was back in the ER because I couldn't stand the headache anymore. Um, that same day I saw a neurologist who basically said the same thing. I'm overweight and, um, I just need to increase the diuretic. Um, I went to the ER three more times in that week. And at the end of the week, I finally said, I demanded a shunt because I I couldn't live like that anymore. My brain was being squeezed down into my spinal column. And what is so they, what is a shunt for people that don't know? So I have a VP shunt, which goes into the right side of my brain, and it drains the fluid out of the ventricles of my brain, and it, it pulls it out and down into my abdominal cavity so that there's not so much fluid in my brain. Wow. Uh, and that's – so you, you demanded that. Now, at some point yep. – you became aware of the care available at Cleveland Clinic. Yes. And you took extreme measures to get there. What what is the backstory to that? Yes, so I had to do some fundraising. Um my my town really kind of come together. There's only about 1100 people in my town, so everybody knows each other and we all grew up together. So when I put out the call for help, everybody kind of came together. We did a silent auction and a supper and raised enough money for me to fly out to Cleveland twice. And so you met, who Who did you see there and, and what was the result of that? I saw Dr. Ribeiro and Dr. Moss. Um, Dr. Moss is a neurologist. Um, Dr. Ribeiro is a pulmonologist. And because I don't have pulmonary involvement, I don't really um, see him anymore. But Dr. Moss um, saw my scans and looked at some of the, uh, the fluid that they pulled off my brain. They did, um, tests on it. And he said, there's no question it's neurosarcoidosis. And he completely changed my treatment plan. Um, so instead of having diuretics, I switched over to a higher dose of prednisone and within a month, my neurological symptoms basically went away. So you credit him with saving your life, you told me earlier. Absolutely. Yep. That's and amazing. Then, and then with his 
assistance, I found a whole new care team in Fargo, which is two hours away from where I live. Okay. And so, so now you, you work with primarily your doctors in Fargo and they consult with Cleveland or vice versa. Yep. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's very similar to my situation. And, um, and I'll share that Dr. Ribeiro and Dr. Moss are also my doctors at Cleveland. Um, so uh, I think Dr. Ribeiro, even though I don't have lung function, uh, I think he's just an expert on sarcoidosis, no matter where it is in your body. And then yeah. Dr. Moss is the neuro guy. And, and so uh, those two work as a great team. And, uh, and so um, I also travel a long distance. I, I probably should fly, but uh, it's extremely, as you know, expensive. And so mm-hmm. I drive seven hours and I, and I go up there. So um uh, but I think it's, I think those guys are great. And then they also work with my local doctor here in Roanoke, Virginia. So let's go back to, um, how much prednisone were you taking? What did they increase it to? And what are you on now? So I was on, um, just five milligrams of prednisone for about three years. When I got the neurosarc, they bumped, bumped it up to 40 milligrams, and I was on 40 milligrams for almost a year. And then, so we just weaned down and I come off the, the prednisone in March this year. Um, because we had with, because of Dr. Moss, we started Remicade infusions. And so once we started the Remicade infusions, we were able to wean off the prednisone, but I still have some symptoms, um, some central nervous system symptoms in between my, my infusions. So we started another medication called Cellcept. So that kind of covers the in-between time. Right, right. Okay. So your life was going along and you grew up in this little little town. What's the name of the, of the town again near Grand Forks where you live? Laramore. Laramore. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like Laramie in Wyoming, but Laramore in North Dakota. Right, right. Okay, gotcha. Um, so you were growing up and everything was fine. And then when did, you know, what, what went wrong first and how did your life change? So I had an emergency appendectomy when I was 24 years old and um, the scans, you know, they do scans after the appendectomy, like two months after showed that my lymph nodes were extremely um, inflamed. And so we took a biopsy of my lymph nodes and that biopsy, of course, they don't test for granulomas when they take a biopsy, um, unless they're unless that's what they're looking for. So my biopsy came back as a benign infection. So then I just went on with my life, and I had been just sick, just always kind of tired, always kind of run down, and never really feeling good. And uh, I had said that I don't feel good so so often that when I actually didn't feel good, my family didn't believe me. And uh, it took it took me going into the emergency room um, with extremely high calcium, um, extremely high potassium, you know, kidney failure, all, all that junk before they finally realized, oh, she she was telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's that is so tough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So where'd all the potassium issues come from? Was that sarcoidosis related? Yep. That was sarcoid related, um, mostly because my spleen wasn't functioning and my kidneys had started to fail. So I wasn't able to filter out potassium and calcium 
in the way that a normal person would. So I had really high vitamin D, really high calcium, really high potassium. And when the doctor told me that I had such high calcium, I actually thought maybe I was having a heart attack. <laughs> right. Well, you're a medic, so, so you, kind, you kind of speak the language. Right. Right. So you, you were person. You were the person going on the volunteer ambulance calls and that kind of stuff. Yep, I was the manager of the ambulance service. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, at least you kind of know what's going on with your body anyway, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so you, you were feeling badly all the time. Uh, was that a paid position, the manager of the ambulance? Yes. Yes, it sure was. So that was your career? That was my full-time job. Yep. Okay. All right. And at what point did you find out you couldn't do that anymore? Two, uh, just over two years ago in June of 2019, when my brain started herniating. So I have permanent vision loss in my left eye. And with all of the deficits from the brain injury, um, it's just not safe for me to be in charge of patient care. Right. Okay. I mean, right now, you'd never know that, that I was talking to somebody who has a brain injury. Right. So um, congratulations on on sort of fighting through all that. So, um, so you, uh, what was your day-to-day life like then pre-sarcoidosis? Oh gosh, that was so long ago. I don't remember. Uh, Uh And that's part of the, that's part of the brain injury. I don't remember a lot of things. Uh Um, well, you weren't in a wheelchair, right? I wasn't in a wheelchair. I, I was pretty active. I mean, I, I was on the volunteer fire department. I was on a volunteer police department. I was on a mounted, uh, horse mounted rescue search and rescue team. And I did all of this and, and was a single mom, um, all at the same time. And I just, I never stopped. Wow. And then wow. and then I got sarcoid and I just kind of slowly had to stop doing like I pulled out of the police department, pulled out of the the search and rescue. I pulled out of um I had two different ambulance jobs. One was an hour away. And so I slowly had to move away from the one that was an hour away and just focus on Laramore and then then I had my brain injury and that was it. Wow, so now so now what do you do every day? Um, nothing. (laughs) No, I do stuff. I, I foster dogs for a local animal rescue. Okay. Um, and then I do a lot of stuff with FSR. Um, but mostly I, I'm seeing doctors a lot. I have my infusions every four weeks. I just got out of the hospital on Sunday for, um, a pneumonia and a plural, plural effusion. So I was in the hospital for four days with that. And it seems like I, I visit the ER probably every other month for something. And it all it's all either sarcoidosis or something that sarcoidosis messed up and caused a secondary issue. Yes. Huh. Yep. So. Okay. So um, t- now I have to tell you, um, my wife works for the local SPCA and we foster lots of dogs also. So Do you? H- how many puppies have you fostered? I am at about 42 in the last year and a half. Wow. So you keep them for two weeks and send them back? Well, nope. I keep them until they're adopted. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yep. Holy cow. And so do you have a bunch of dogs running around your house right now? 
I just have my two right now because okay. since I was in the hospital, my fosters all had to go to different foster homes. Right. Okay. So, yeah, the way they do it here is you keep them for two weeks when they first come in and you make sure that they're kind of getting acclimated to sure. life. And then, and then if there is an issue, uh, like they don't get along with other animals or something, at least they know that. So if somebody wants to adopt them, they can, they can kind of, they can know. That's um, awesome. It's so rewarding. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, those bumper stickers that say who rescued who um, yeah. two, uh, two of my three dogs are rescues from the SBCA. Um, but man, I just love them so much. I could do a whole podcast on, on dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I could um, talk about dogs all day. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's, let's get back to you. So you're on the FSR speakers bureau foundation for sarcoidosis research. What does that mean? And, and, and when might people hear you speak? So, Whenever there is some sort of event that FSR is hosting, like um, that the diversity one that we just did or the patient summit, um, they'll reach out to us on the speakers bureau and say, hey, here's a subject that we need a speaker for. And whoever's interested can raise their hand basically and say, hey, I'll, I'll speak on that. So, or sometimes Mindy will reach out and say, hey, I think this would be, um, you know, excellent for you because of your background. Will you speak on it? And so um, any, just about any of the FSR events will have somebody from the Speakers Bureau. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've been there uh, usually in the moderator role. That seems what always falls down to me is, you know, <laughs> John, will you moderate this? You know, so um uh, so I, I've been there for that, but now once we get past, uh, this pandemic and who knows the way it's going right now with the Delta variant out there and, and the resurgence everywhere, um, will, you, will people see you speaking in person, maybe at some of the summits? Absolutely. If they wanted me to come, come in person, I would be happy to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you, when you talk, do you, do you tell kind of the story you're telling now, or do you do you talk about your your fight with sarcoidosis, or do you offer inspiration? What what is your message? Most of the time, I like to talk about the depression um, mm -hmm. because that's been my biggest hurdle, and talking about it seems to help. It's very therapeutic for me, and I know that there's a lot of other people that are in the same shoes as I am. Um, and it's not something that people talk about. So I like to kind of focus on that. And then I also like to talk about being in a rural state and having the difficulties with patient care that I've had. So um, that's usually that's usually the two things I talk about. So the depression, what is what does that look like in your life? Um, well, it it depends. I mean, you know, it it goes up and down just like like a wave, you know, it waxes and weans. Um, I've gotten low to the point of thinking about suicide. And then I've also had highs where like, I don't sleep and I'll clean my entire house and reorganize every closet multiple times. So it, it looks completely different than what people think it looks like. Right. Yeah. And, and you get these lows, um, it, it, it's, uh, and I'm trying to think of the terms that I just barely have a familiarity with. And I won't even go there, but you get these lows and do you, do you just wake up feeling that way? And, or what, what's that like? I'd say it's kind of a slow progression 
where um, something happens or something stress, some kind of stressor happens and then another stressor and then another stressor. And it just kind of like it builds on itself and it slowly starts pulling me down because you can only stay strong for so, so long and right. through so much and everybody has a breaking point. And so um, it usually, it takes a while, but I can usually tell when I'm starting to starting to head down that that path now. And um, I have a pretty good, strong support system in my family. So I'll reach out to my mom and my sister and they usually will right away step in and help. Yeah. Yeah. What are you taking anything for the depression? Yes, I take. Um, so I take Zoloft and I take Abilify. Uh-huh. Okay. Because uh, I think a lot of people with sarcoidosis also suffer depression and a lot of times they're mourning the loss of their previous life. Do you think that's yes. fair? Yep, definitely. It's a, a, a grieving process for sure. Once you start thinking about what you've lost, it's hard to focus on what you're gaining. So for sure, definitely a grievance. Yeah. And do you find that the prednisone makes it uh, makes it more difficult, makes it sort of uh, just adds to all that? Absolutely. The prednisone, I think, made it a hundred times worse than it was before I started taking prednisone. Mm -hmm. And when you were on five milligrams, it wasn't as bad as when you were on 40, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, When I was on prednisone and when I moderated the panel uh, discussion, that's that's now a a bonus edition of this podcast, um, people just said they, they had like a hair trigger. Right. People, you know, people would say something and you just go off. Right. And that's that was definitely my experience with it. Yeah, definitely irritable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and then um, no filter. So you would say stuff to people that you would always would have held in reserve in the past. Yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. Thank you, prednisone. Yeah, thank you, prednisone. <laughs> At work, they started calling me Honest John because I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, everybody knew exactly what I thought of them. Um, <laughs> which, you know, now I'm not on prednisone anymore, but they still know. Um, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't changed that much in some cases. Uh, anyway, um, so you talked about sunken eyes before. Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, because I'd lost so much weight. I probably lost 50 pounds and I didn't even realize it. And so my eyes kind of got sunken in and my cheeks kind of got sunken in. And I just had that that sick look mm-hmm. that I and I didn't realize it because, you know, you see yourself every day. So you don't you don't notice the changes like other people would notice. And Oddly enough, nobody said anything. Nobody said anything about my weight loss. Nobody said anything about the way I was starting to look. And, um, but that's because they didn't realize it either because they saw me every day. So they, they didn't really notice like, yeah, right. But yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I looked, I looked like, I looked like death rolled over. (laughs) Wow. So now when you look forward uh, on your life and and what you're going to do and, um, you know, living sometimes in a wheelchair, you know, what, what are you, what are you hoping to get to? How are you fighting through this? Well, 
right now I I'm just in survival mode. I just want to survive. Um, I, I have a 12 year old son. I want to see him grow up. I want to see him get married and have children and, you know, be successful. I think that's something every parent would want. Um, so right now I'm mostly just focusing on trying to stay alive because, um, it, it is a terminal diagnosis. The one that I have, um, we just don't know, you know, when it's going to take my life. And so I'm trying not to focus on when I die, this is going to happen. Instead, I'm focusing on while I'm living, this is going to happen. So well, we've been talking for half an hour and I, I just now learned that this is a terminal diagnosis. Is that what they've mm. said? I did not realize that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, the medications that I'm on, they help with the symptoms, but they don't stop the progression of the disease. And, you know, there's no cure for sarcoidosis. And because of where it's at in my body, um, it most likely is going to kill me one day. Where, where, I mean, I know you have it everywhere in your body. Where is the area of greatest concern? My brain. Huh? So it's, it's actually in your brain and, and the Remicade is not managing that. It's not stopping it. It stops the symptoms, you know, the different, like the, the numbing on my hands, the hiccups, the, uh, I had facial palsy. Um, I have hearing issues, vision issues. It stops all that, but it doesn't, it, it still kind of moves and progresses and you know, how sarcoidosis likes to just take over. So it seems like every month I have some kind of new symptom that we're trying to treat this month was hiccups. I know that sounds weird, but I had five or six bouts of hiccups during the day and that's all part of your central nervous system. So that means that the sarcoid moved into my brainstem. Wow. And are you getting MRIs or anything like that where they can see it and track it? Yes. Yep. So I'll, I'll get um, MRIs every year, probably for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. Uh, I get them every, every problem. Well, I was getting them every year. Now I'm down to maybe every other year. Um, That's amazing. Cause I've got it on my spinal cord. Um, so uh, what, what is the MRI showing like that it's, that it's moving? I mean, can you see um, it? I actually haven't taken my MRI yet this year. We're waiting um, for that to get scheduled, but uh, last year when I took the MRI, it had my, the year before that it was in the seventh and eighth cranial nerves and the meninges, the meninges, which is the lining of your brain. Um, last year it was seventh, eighth and ninth cranial nerve, and then more of the meninges. So it, it had progressed, but, um, the symptoms are way less than they were two years ago when I had the hydrocephalus and then the facial palsy, I, I looked like I was having a stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a Bell's palsy type thing. Yep. Yep. Where like one side of your mouth won't move and the other side will. And yep. My whole left side of my face will droop. God. So what would you say to people who are, who are fighting sarcoidosis, who have these advanced cases like yours? Um, don't give up. And don't be afraid to fire your doctors. That's kind of been my mantra. Don't forget 
don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. If you're not getting the answers you, you think you need from your care team, find a new care team, travel. Don't, don't, um, don't give up on yourself and don't settle. Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. And, and how about just getting through the day to day? Absolutely. Yes. Just focus, try to focus on the little things, you know, um, oh, I did the dishes. Yay, me. <laughs> you know, oh, I took a nap. Yay. I get a, I get to have a life where I can take a nap. You know, I didn't I didn't get to have, have that before. Now I get to have naps. And I think that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So there's a new normal, right? You yes. Just have, you, you define the new normal and then your victories come within that space. Absolutely. All right. Well, Brandy, thank you for joining me here on the podcast today. You're very welcome. And, thank and you. Best, best of luck to you as you continue your fight. Yes, and you too. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Thanks to Brandy for reaching out and sharing her story. I wish her all the best as she soldiers on and refuses to take it from sarcoidosis. Now, real quick, I want to tell you that uh, when I was going through what has been the roughest year for me with sarcoidosis, I was on a chemo drug called Cytoxin, getting regular infusions of that, and then taking up to 80 milligrams of prednisone daily for months before slowly being weaned down over the course of a year, I was, I was pretty miserable. And so this would have been 2019, for pretty much all of 2019. Um, and, and during that time, uh, and this is, again, this is what I hear over and over from the people who come on and share their stories, you become philosophical. You start looking at your life, you start examining you know, you know what do I what do I want to do? What can I do? Um, what do I need to do? Maybe before it's too late to do it. And I started thinking about my bucket list, right? I, and all the all the things that I had never done. And for me, one of them was and is visiting the Grand Canyon. I'd never seen the Grand Canyon. I just always have had this thing in the back of my mind, like before I die and before I can't do it. I want to see the Grand Canyon. So we scheduled a trip for 2020, but it was canceled, of course, because of COVID. But now it's been pushed forward. It's 2021. And about the time that you're hearing this on the release date of this podcast, I will finally be there. I'll be at the at the Grand Canyon. My wife Mary and I are flying out west, and I'll get to see that big hole in the earth and peer over it and say, you know what? I saw the Grand Canyon. And we've even feel kind of Brady Bunch here, but we, we were going to take the um, the trip where you get on the mules and you go down into, it's a half day trip, so I don't know how far down you go. I don't expect you can go to the bottom and all the way back to the top um, in half a day. And I don't know how much I'm going to like riding a mule, but we're going to do that. We're taking the mule train and I'm going to see the Grand Canyon. I'm going to participate in this and I can check that off my bucket list. Uh, and we're also, while we're out there, we'll, we'll be visiting Bryce in Zion, and we'll be doing some hikes. And I'm going to go as aggressively as I can and see what I can do. And I'm sure I'll be talking uh, a lot about that. 
uh, in future episodes. But anyway, I'm so happy that um, my my trip to the Grand Canyon is now just as I'm speaking, just a couple of days away, three days. So so there you go. All right. Um, if you would, uh, if you would, please um, please share the Sark Fighter podcast with other people when these episodes come out. If you think there's some value to it, just take the link and post it on your social media, share it out. If you'd like to maybe come on the podcast and, you know, I'd like to hear from some, from some caregivers. Uh, we hear from a lot of patients. I hear from a lot of researchers and people who are helping advance the cause against sarcoidosis. But um, I don't think I've had a pure caregiver on. So maybe your caregiver, uh, maybe you could encourage that person to come on and talk about what it's like to live with somebody who has sarcoidosis. Um, you know, maybe that's something that that somebody wants to reach out and do. If you're new to the disease, you're trying to figure out what's going on with SARC, go back and listen to episode two. Dr. Simon Hart goes over sarcoidosis 101. If you want to know more about me, uh, my episode, my story is episode one, how sarcoidosis sort of slowly crept into my life and took me from being a pretty decent marathon runner to um, somebody who pretty much can't run across the street right now, at least not comfortably. Uh, go back and listen to episode one. Um, my most recent interview, or a recent interview, I will say, not my most recent, is with Juliet Coffer of the UK, who is raising money for Sark UK. And uh, she's done it by walking around her house. And for her, that is, that's pretty difficult. Um, but so she was just walking hundreds of meters a day around her house and in her backyard and raising money and she's extremely inspirational so go back and and listen to my uh, episode with Juliet Coffer and then don't forget to go back and listen to those bonus episodes that I mentioned about sarcoidosis and COVID-19 and then we also did a bonus episode uh, these were both sponsored by the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research which I moderated dealing with prednisone and we had a patient and a doctor all there, um, and also a researcher who's working on a drug from Atire Pharma, uh, trying to um, trying to find a steroid sparing drugs so that maybe there's an opportunity for uh, for for people who get sick with sarcoidosis not to have to go to prednisone first and deal with everything I dealt with and people who've dealt with who've come on, talked about their story and the moon face and and all those terrible things. So. Um, Go back and, and listen to those uh, special bonus episodes. And there will be links to those in the show notes, or you can go to um, my, uh, my uh, webpage uh, on Podbean. And if you just Google Sark Fighter Podbean, one word, uh, it'll come up. And then you can go and scroll through all 44 episodes, um, plus the bonus episodes. And then um, please send me an email in the show notes if you'd like to be on. Uh, and then follow Sark Fighter on Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Sark Fighter. And then uh, I do appreciate your interest in this podcast. If you like what we're doing here, just tell one person. If you, if you would just tell one person about it, help me grow and expand the audience and reach more people. And, and when, when folks come on and they share these stories or researchers come on and they share that hope, it just helps all of that messaging reach more people, and that's why we're doing it. 
Um, so, so thank you very much. I want once again. I want to thank Brandy Cleaver from North Dakota for coming on and being the person who shares her story in this episode, and we wish her continued growth and success. Until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain someday. Learn endurance, your strength will fade away. Dead man walking, trying to keep up the pace. Dead man walking, counting.